In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. Well, we have some special guests in studio with us to continue our theme of trying to fix some of the things that seem to be wrong with the state of Oklahoma. And uh, we're going to continue today with education and, and taking as an example of something a community can do to help with the education of our children is, uh, is some things that uh, the Wilson Elementary School is doing. So uh, if you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Amy Curran. I'm a parent of two children at Wilson, and I'm also on the PTA and a part of Wilson Arts, Inc. Excellent. And I'm Katie Leffel, and I have two kiddos, one who's graduated on from Wilson, but one who's still there in fourth grade, and also just involved in all, all things Wilson, be it PTA, Wilson Arts, Inc., volunteering, sometimes substitute. Oh, wow. Whatever still heavily involved. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my daughter's in Wilson. I have a second grader at Wilson. Um, and Wilson is what is called an arts integration school. Um, I didn't know anything about that uh, before I moved here and enrolled my daughter in there. Um, can one of you tell us what arts integration means? I'll take this one, Amy. Um, arts integration means sort of two different things at Wilson. First of all, Wilson back in the late 90s was looking for a way to turn itself around. Um, was dealing with low test scores, high poverty, um, group of kiddos, and although it's situated in a part of town that has um, Heritage Hills and Mesta Park and sort of some families that maybe would represent, um, you know, upper middle income mm -hmm. folks, they were choosing to send their kids somewhere else. Wow. And like so, Nichols Hills, I know some people do that right. just outside of the, the right. boundaries of that school. Private school, yep. um, lots of different options. And so at that time, a new principal took over. Her name was Beverly Story. And she was looking for ways to get those families invested back in Wilson and visited some different schools that were associated with this arts integration model and really liked it. And so well, they decided to give that a try at Wilson, kind of approached some families in the neighborhood and got some of them on board to send their kids to school to come in and start a PTA that would be a strong support um, for the school and kind of took off from there. So arts integration is all about not just really arts for art's sake, um, but strengthening both understanding of arts and understanding of a subject matter by marrying them together. So some examples of that um, with math, patterns and math, um, you know, go hand in hand. And music is a great vehicle for that. When you are learning time signatures, when you are learning rhythms and patterns, you're really learning and breaking down a lot of early math skills. And learning more about the math side strengthens, strengthens the musical ability. And when you are getting good at that music, you're also strengthening your math skills. So that would be one example. Um, another example of an arts integrated activity would be, um, I saw my son's fifth grade class last year use tableaus, which are basically um, stationary dramatic interpretations. So if the wow. three of us got together and we read about um, the colony of Jamestown, 
And we were trying to come up with a way to represent to the class um, the starving time in Jamestown and what that looked like and what our understanding of that is. And we had to come up with a way to physically put our bodies together to show that. And maybe then each of us would have a line to say that had something to do with that. So a really thoughtful way to approach both dramatically interpreting something and also really having to understand the subject matter in a way that you could then take it and translate it into this dramatic interpretation. So you're both strengthening your drama skills and very much deepening your understanding of the social studies subject matter at the same time. So that those would be kind of a couple examples of arts integration. At Wilson, we also have um, sort of arts for art's sake. That's another important part of arts integration. And so we also, this year, have a full-time drama teacher, a full-time visual art teacher, a full-time music teacher, wow. um, a half-time strings teacher, and a full-time PE and rhythm and movement what, teacher. What grades are at Wilson? Pre-K through fifth. Through fifth. And there's a full-time drama teacher there. Yes. That's fantastic. So how I'm, are you how are you pulling that off? Good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, part of it is our designation as a Kennedy Center model school. So we partner with the Kennedy Center in DC and they're a part of structuring our arts integration program. They bring in trainers each year to work with us. Um, we send our principal and usually a couple teachers each year there for some training opportunities. And the short answer is lots of different community support helps us pull this off. Um, the first partner that we identified at Wilson when we were starting to become an arts integration school was Black Arts Inc., the Black Liberated Arts Council. Um, Anita Arnold is their executive director and they're here in Oklahoma City and they have supported Wilson from the start with our Kennedy Center um, project. They Kennedy is, is that like a, a grant type situation or like, are, do they offer funding or is yeah, it just, that's one of my big things. Like in the current climate, especially, you know, the first thing we're hearing right. is we're losing arts, we're losing music. Right. So how are you keeping these positions, especially all of those full-time positions funded? Like, well, we won't keep all those full-time positions funded. That's what it. we have this year. For next uh, year, we've been cut back to two full-time arts. That's what uh, wow. you bringing that up. Um, when I think it's now started to kind of, filter down to the kids that, you know, the, the budget crisis that's hit us is, is going to affect them next year. And to them, they, they already feel like or have heard that they're going to lose teachers. So it's already kind of starting to have a psychological impact on the kids knowing oh, that they absolutely. may not come back to everybody next year. Absolutely. And they have, um, right now, I believe all the grades meet with them twice, each of the specialists, with the exception of strings. Strings is third through fifth grade. But, um, so they know these teachers really well. And I mean, they're very much a part of the culture of our school. Um, so yeah, they, cause these aren't teachers then in that questions. case that are just teaching third graders. They're, they're teaching, they're the teaching whole game everyone, mm -hmm. even pre-K. And so, so these positions as they exist now have been funded through the school's traditional funding. Yes. So that's, uh, they're taking the hit. Okay. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things over the years, you know, we've struggled with this idea and we still struggle with this idea in Oklahoma City Public Schools of equity, right? That right. kids need to have this equitable experience. It's not fair for, you know, some schools to be the haves and some to be the have nots. And, you know, at Wilson, that's been something we've struggled with through this arts integration program is finding ways to have our arts program because it is who we are and it is what has really brought Wilson up to being one of the model schools for our school district. Um, and we've had to go in and advocate at different times to say, no, the arts at our school are not extra. This is right. a part of our identity as a school. This is a part of what we're doing. And 
that we don't want equal to be the lowest common denominator anymore right. in Oklahoma City. So, well, that's, a, that's an interesting thing you say about arts being extra. Like, I, haven't, I don't know if you've even heard it. it. I've questioned why they're always the first thing to sacrifice, but it never occurred to me that they were being considered as extra. I mean, I have a, some background in music, so I'm like, I went through junior high and was focused on music. So to me, like what you're saying, like that's a core part of my memory of going through school was my time in band and learning these things and these skills and how they translated. Because it went even beyond things like math, like being in that room with other students and we're performing and we're all learning and struggling and even the weird little competitions in terms of like what chair are you sitting in and obviously this is probably beyond what you're doing at an elementary school but it there were so many valuable things that I got out of this class and so to me it's not a, an extra consideration but the fact that you've integrated it with core curriculum like math and social studies and I mean have you, I'm assuming you have some pretty interesting stats to see like what happened once you implemented this. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's huge. And one of the things that makes Wilson really unique with this is that we were able to, and um, it's been interesting to watch the neighborhood and how they've responded to all of this when it comes back to the equity thing, because we've been able to bring really high achieving um, kids and kids that, you know, are perhaps, you know, from different socioeconomic, all sorts of different backgrounds. And we've been able to, with arts integration, even the playing field, and they're both, we're seeing them both improving throughout the year. And we're seeing that in test scores. We're seeing that in yeah, attendance. We're seeing it all across the board. Um, but it's very much due to the arts integration program that we have because when they, you know, if you come in in third grade and you can't read or you're below level reading, well, you can still do the drama and the music and all of that. You're still learning the history and you're learning science and you're learning all of the different stuff as you're catching up with the reading and math skills that maybe you don't, you didn't come in with. So it's a high interest activity for kids. Like you mentioned, you loved music when you were a right. kid. I had the same similar experience um, starting in middle school up with mm -hmm. band and being super involved in music and just that being a hook. That was something I loved at school. Right. And so the, the viewing of arts as extra, no, they're essential. They're essential to who we are as people and how we communicate. And kids as early as pre-K know that. They love interacting in those ways. And that's why you see if you go to any pre-K room across the district, I guarantee you that pre-K teacher is doing stuff with music in their classroom. Totally. I mean, well, I can think back kids to my high school experience and drama being a massive part of that. When I think back to high school today, that's usually what I think about is the plays that I was involved in, the the drama and speech and debate tournaments that I went on, the you know two years that I got to serve as like house manager for the theater, and all those skills that I picked up and learned, and being able to work with you know groups, yeah, to to, to not have that, it makes absolutely no sense. It feels very sad, and I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, mean, it's devastating. It's devastating it's, it's to devastating, everyone in the yes. community. Yeah, like you're saying, that. I don't have like these specific fond memories in my U.S. history class. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now, right. had there been this cool dramatized component of my U.S. Yeah. history class, I might have right. some memories. The, right. the one memory I do have is we like to play Risk, the game. There was some historical world interaction type things to learn there, but reality, that's not really based on any actual occurrences and it's different every game. But I remember it because it was something that broke us out of the 
We're reading chapter five today in the textbook about U.S. history from 1920 to 1937. Right. And part of that and part of what arts integration is, is making the students responsible for their own education a little bit as far as, you know, instead of just saying, okay, here's the answers, you know. Here's a story. Here's some questions. Here are the answers. It's they're having to figure it out for themselves. And they do that in all of the different subjects. And they use the arts to kind of open their minds. So they remember the subject matter because they're, you know, relating it mm. through a tableau or through a drawing or whatever they're doing. And so that's one of the ways that they, I mean, it, it reaches different parts of your brain. So um, it's like getting right brain and left brain working together. Right. And one of my daughter's favorite activities, and I love watching her do this every week, because um, they do spelling tests every week. And I remember my spelling test from grade school. In your book, there was a list of 20 words, and you just memorized them. That was all we did. But during the week, she has to do what's called uh, spelling tic-tac-toe, where she has to do three different activities. Her uh -huh. favorite activity is using those 20 spelling words in a story. And every week she sits down and writes a new story incorporating really? all of those words. And then she'll come home and in an art class or something that she was in, she'll have drawn pictures of the characters from the stories that she wrote using her spelling words. And it all just kind of comes full circle with everything else she's learned throughout that week. And it's almost educational for me too, but she has fun doing it. Right. She doesn't come home saying, I don't want to go to school anymore. Like, if she has to miss school well, for so any that's pretty key right there is that she has fun doing it. So yes. it makes her interested in being it's educated a, a, and highly look forward engaging. to being. Yeah. And as Amy discussed, you know, a lot of our kids that come in, um, we take kids at Wilson that are coming in from the homeless shelter. We mm -hmm. have kids that come in for a short period of time. Some kids that are there, you know, for multiple years. But that high interest factor is so key in getting them hooked in and getting them to want to be just to be a part of what's going on at school. I think it makes huge strides in discipline issues. When kids are interested and engaged, you have a lot less trouble trying to keep them focused on the task at hand. So that that interest is key for kids from all different backgrounds for getting them to be involved and invested in what's happening in the classroom. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes from arts. And Wilson isn't going to be the only school suffering a loss of arts right. teachers, right? This is going to be across... I don't, I don't know of a single elementary school that is not getting some sort of cut, mm -hmm. but I don't right, know that for sure. It's back to the equity thing. Mm -hmm. They all have to be it treated is. equal. So if, if any one is losing one... Then so we are taking a bigger cut because of the equity thing, I think. I mean, we're, we're We we're had a little to, more, and uh -huh. now we, everybody's going to have yeah. the same. Well, that's sort of so as a side effect of you incorporated arts more into the core of the school. So now that arts is being cut, it's actually cutting from the core as opposed to the schools who were treating it as an extra. Well, I don't know that, that that's fair. I mean, I think okay. there are a lot of schools that are finding unique ways to bring the arts in. And so I, I definitely don't want to. No, know, no, I wasn't trying it, to. No, I know. I, I just I don't want to put it that way. But I mean, I think does it hurt us more? Yes, because we have relationships with these teachers and our kids are used right. to having these experiences. And so, yeah, to see us go from four and a half positions in the arts to two for next year wow. is what we're talking about. Well, so that's so you two. And, and I'm not sure what the exact details are, but there's kind of a community plan or, or some kind of plan coming together about how to kind of shore up what we're losing. There's a big Something plan. Something that maybe, <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. other like schools it. could take some ideas from or ambitious. I like it. Absolutely. Yeah. So we um, part of when we all brought this together with arts integration was we started Wilson Arts Inc. I didn't. This was before me. Um, 
but it started as a neighborhood and community support of the school. And they've been very specific in that what they support is the arts integration piece. Right. Um, so, and they've advocated for us, they have fundraised for us and all sorts of things. Katie is the current chair of, is it president or chair? I, bet I'm I don't know president. what the title is. Yes. Prayer and president. Very official. Um, so you can tell more, but because we have this relationship that's outside of just parents, it's been very helpful because this has been kind of an emotional sure. situation and, you know, tempers get involved and, and, and we've just been very sad. So to have this other group come in and be a part of this with us and say that we still really believe in Wilson and we believe in your students and we believe in the arts has been really, really, really good. Um, so then also we had a fundraiser planned for May 13th before any of this happened. And then when all of the budget cuts kind of came out, it just kicked it into high gear. And so now we're having a huge fundraiser. <laughs> nice. We were um, sort of motivated and then no, we no, got no, real, really motivated. real motivated. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Anyway, you can tell them about that. Sure. You know, at Wilson, we're really lucky because over the years, we've cultivated a lot of relationships. We have our relationship with Black Arts Inc., mm -hmm. and they've been a partner with us for a long time. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but we are very good friends with Sonic. Um, mm -hmm. Sonic right. is our school's corporate sponsor, and they have been incredible support and friends um, with us at Wilson for a long time, from bringing tutors over every week to work one-on-one -on -one with oh, wow. kids, um, helping us re-landscape the outside of our school, um, help, I mean, just I could just go on and on and on and on about Sonic. Um, we have an incredibly strong PTA that's been a vital piece of bringing extras for our kids, whether it's running sports, chess club, chess team, robotics clubs, um, on and on. And then Wilson Arts Inc. is sort of this other little extra piece that I think really can kind of step in and do some things that traditional PTAs can't. And that's what some of our friends at other schools are finding out right now. Um, PTA is really a lot about advocacy, a lot about bringing families and schools together, but they can be very touchy about fundraising issues. And I know some of the schools in Oklahoma City have heard from national PTA and state PTA saying, hey, you know, your job is not necessarily to fundraise for teachers, and we don't really want you to be fundraising for teachers. Why, why is that? Well, they believe, like I said, really a lot in that advocacy piece and, and wanting as a group to fight for the legislature, for those well, that fund is, us. I mean, isn't fundraising advocacy in a way? I mean. It is. I mean, I, I won't say that I necessarily agree with them. Um, when I was in charge of our PTA, we kind of came up against that a little bit. But just overall, if you look at PTA guidelines, you're not supposed to hold money for long periods of time. Okay. You're not supposed to, you know, run capital yeah. campaign gotcha. type stuff as a PTA. And so yeah. when you're getting into fundraising to pay for teachers, you're talking about amounts of money that are going to require that. Right. PTAs are supposed to run on a one-year budget. Kind and of you're supposed to mixing kind of, boundaries that shouldn't be. It Next, does. I guess. Is, any, is any of that the equity piece that maybe some PTAs would have more influential parents and you don't want one school like, oh, look, their PTA just raised a million dollars. We can't even get 10 grand together because like, and so it, I mean, does that play into it? Absolutely, it does. And if you've been watching the paper, there have been several articles about that very thing. I mean, I know Nichols Hill's principal sent out a letter, and they're trying to raise money to save one of their arts teachers. And at first, it was embraced as, wow, this is so great. And then there was a turning of the tide in, in the news. And then it was all of a sudden, well, what about all these other schools that mm -hmm. don't have this ability to raise money for 
these kids, is that really fair that some of these schools are going to be able to do it and some can't? And then um, our acting superintendent, Aurora Laura, came out and mentioned that she had worked in a school district in the past that kind of dealt with that by having a percentage of funds from schools that were raised through those sort of situations go into a grant fund that then schools that didn't have that ability could at least apply to get some grant money to do some things at their school. So I think that there are some things in the works as far as the equity piece. Um, but as Wilson Art saying, you know, we really began in 2005 when the Maps for Kids money came out. When it was Wilson's turn to get a new addition to our building, they were not going to provide any classrooms for our arts program. And we really, because that would be an, an over and above thing, right? Other schools weren't getting these classrooms for their arts programs. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, this group of um, neighbors, community members in our area got together and they ran a capital campaign through Wilson Arts Inc. They formed the group to finish Wilson Wright. And so now if you come and visit our school, each arts classroom has a plaque outside of it. And they raised over $700,000 and they paid for all of the arts classrooms to be put in in our school. So that was paid for with private funds so that those classrooms could be set aside and the district couldn't come in and say, now you have to put a second grade classroom in this room and you can't have your drama anymore. Or now you have to put a fourth grade classroom in this room and you can't have your music anymore. How, how is that possible? I mean, how can you have a private entity come into a public school to build a thing and then designate its control? Is it, is it similar to like, I know the one of the ways the university works. If I was to donate money to the university, I can say, I want this money to go towards this scholarship fund, or I want it to go specifically to buying uniforms for the band, or I want it like, is it something along those lines where... A little bit. Our arts classrooms before our building project were in these World War II era temporary buildings that yeah. had been outside, you know, forever um, on the playground. And those had to be removed in order to do all of the new construction. But then when they came in and said, but we're also not going to build new areas in your school for these rooms, then yes, that, you know, the grant was done that these rooms could be included in part of the building project. Okay. This is kind of a sort of off topic um, subject, but do you think that funding for schools is going to tend towards that direction where we're going to start seeing more and more schools being privately funded to where our country and civilization here kind of moves away from public funded education to more privately funded education? And, you know, like uh, this is a really cynical way to put it, but, you know, like how sports stadiums are named, like you know, this is the, the the Sonic Wilson Elementary School or something like that. I mean, is that well, this is inherently the trend towards charter schools, right? Yeah. I mean, aren't charter schools in a sense private schools? But you can go there. That's totally well, fine. Here's kind of a bigger question: is <laughs> is there any kind of advantage over privately funded education? across the board than publicly funded education. I think you lose the equity piece initially. Absolutely. Because maybe Sonic comes in and builds the new Sonic Wilson Elementary School or whatever, but Sonic doesn't want to go out to this rural town in Oklahoma and build a school out there. And there's no big company well, and I think out it should there. be pointed out, you know, that Sonic has been very supportive of Oklahoma City Public Schools in general. This is yeah, true. Yeah, I um, have been. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, obviously, no, but, I know, but, but I just have to give a shout out to my, yeah. my song. No, what, they've been, what <laughs> they've been doing lately, what is the website? The, the Donors Choose. Donors Choose. Yeah. Like what they've been doing through that has been. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Sonic. We're just using you as an yeah, example. Yeah, no, Cliff and Leslie are <laughs> yeah. leaders in our community for sure yeah. in supporting public education. 
so I guess the short answer is I hope not. No, yeah. um, I mean, to I, what, um, I think that and what I would like people to know about Wilson and Wilson's arts program is that this is something that is fairly affordable mm-hmm. for most urban kind of type of schools. When we have universities where we have a lot of people who have art backgrounds, professional backgrounds in education. It's an affordable way and it's something that it, like we said earlier, evens the playing field. So the idea for me or what I would hope would be that other schools would look at either an arts integration model or something else that would work, but it would still be a public school. Um, I really believe um, that our city is only as strong as its public schools and, you know, changing it to to charter or private, just it does, it's not the same thing. No. Um, I think there's a very, there are some very, really great charter schools in Oklahoma City, and I think they serve a, perp- a very specific purpose. Um, but I think going to that across the board wouldn't be equitable. I don't think there's an equitable way to do that. I think what's hard with the whole charter issue, charters provide flexibility. A lot of our schools within Oklahoma City Public Schools struggle with having the flexibility to do the things that they need to do for their particular buildings. We fought that time and time again at Wilson. And that's where the Wilson Arts Inc. has had to step in and do some advocacy with the district. No, our arts programs are not optional. No, you cannot cut our drama teacher to make it equitable with everyone else. This is a core of who we are. We've been doing it this way for this number of years. It's not fair for you to come in now and take this away from us. So... What I would like to see, you know, rather than necessarily expansion of charter is just finding ways to help fund all schools, but allowing them to have that flexibility that if they come together mm-hmm. and want to do some site-based decision-making and they wanted to join us in arts integration, or they want to become an A-plus art school, or they want to pursue some other model, because we, I think we all know there's not one path to success in public education. Right. And there's ways that it can be accomplished without necessarily having to make them all charter schools. There's ways Absolutely. that we can look at doing things differently or you know, evolving the process or evolving the institution instead of having it specifically this way or specifically that way. And I think finding ways to keep families um, who have the energy, time, and resources to advocate for our schools involved in the process is really important. Um, You know, at Wilson, we send the vast majority of our kids on to a choice school, whether that be a magnet school through a class in SAS, whether that be a charter school Mm -hmm. elsewhere in the district. Um, Without those options, to be very frank, you lose a lot of those families. And when you lose those families, you lose a lot of voices that are fighting for Oklahoma City Public Schools and fighting for all of our public schools to get what's best for them. Do you think then maybe that's a, that one of the things that might occur with a lot of the defunding that's occurring right now is more of a rally of parents getting behind schools that the schools may not have experienced before? I really like maybe especially so. in like rural areas where maybe they have experienced situations where they have zero parent involvement and now all of a sudden the parents are noticing what's happening and there's kind of this rally behind all of the schools and Well, one of the most remarkable things for us in our area is that Wilson Arts Inc., our PTA, we have so much community support. We recently sold and made some proud to be a Wilson Wise Wolf yard signs for people to put Mm -hmm. in their yards just to sort of raise awareness for our school. Are there still any more of those available? There are. We would love to sell you one. I need to get one. (laughs) Um, But we had a lot of people who have no kids in 
public schools, whose kids are grown, who have them mm-hmm. and put them in their yard because they do want to reach out and support our schools. We have neighbors who come and tutor as part of our tutoring program. I would love to see people in communities across our state step up. Absolutely. People yeah. who have an extra 30 minutes, find an Oklahoma City public school, give them a call and tell them you want to come mentor a child once a week. That's what our Sonic tutors do. Amy and I each tutor a child every week. Um, and we need your help. Yeah, there's always there's always a spot for somebody to come in and help. Absolutely. That's, I think I found my spot this year with Chess Club. Yes. Been, <laughs> I saw yeah, you were doing that's that. Been that's rewarding. awesome. <laughs> yeah. With Rebecca Rutledge. Yeah. She's and the, and she amazing. Doesn't, and she doesn't do chess just there. I mean, she does chess at, at some of the other schools, plus, you know, outside of school with, you know, the, the chess team for girls. She's gone citywide. She's gone citywide. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's just, that's you awesome. know, an example of somebody in the community just really kind of making it equitable for everybody else, too. She didn't just focus on Wilson. She kind of spread that spread that around. Absolutely. I mean, I would love to see schools everywhere, you know, parents coming together, trying to find ways to, mm-hmm. to fill the gaps. But more than anything, I think we as a city have to stand up and demand better from our legislature. Yes. yes. This situation. Better funding of our schools, first and foremost. I mean, it's well, forcing parents to have to patch the issues that are coming down to us from the Capitol should be indicative of a much larger issue, which, you know, sure. our previous episode was with Andy Moore and, and let's fix this, a rallying cry at the Capitol. And which I listened to and loved, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And that turnout and was, taken off. Yeah. was fantastic. It's something that, uh, that I've been seeing, and this is personal, uh, this is kind of a personal perspective on this is in the last month I've lived in this state for 34 years. I grew up, and this is where I've been here my whole life. I've been to the Capitol three times in the last month for my whole life. Like I've been to the Capitol three times my whole life and it's been in the last month. And that's because I just wasn't aware of how easy it was to walk in. It just never occurred to me hearing all these crazy stories about legislators and the Capitol building all this, that I could just walk in because, well, in a sense, it's my building. I paid for that building. My parents paid for that building. You've paid for that it's building. It's not some kind of ivory tower that you're excluded Right. I from. mean, and the, it's less security than getting on a plane and, yeah. Um, not to encourage anything, I'm just saying it's you walk through a metal detector and there's a security guard and you're in. Um, and it's this, it feels like maybe sometimes the same thing with things like you're saying tutoring. It's like, I think sometimes people don't realize, oh, you mean I can just walk into the school and say, hey, I'd like to come in once a week and tutor. I can just do that because I recently did a project that uh, ACM, we did a little partnership with John Rex over here. And I went into that school for the first time. And while there was more security at that school than there was at the Capitol, it was still just like, oh, you're here for this project. Okay, here's your scan in, whatever. Here's your name tag. And then you're in and you're you're being a part. You're being active and you're doing it. It doesn't take any special skill. It doesn't take any anything but 30 minutes and knowing that you can do it and going and doing it. So hopefully, like with these movements that are popping up now and everything that's going on at the Capitol, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, actually coming up since this is airing on Monday, in two days after this is okay for the arts Wednesday, day at the Capitol. Yeah, so, and guess who's going to be there? I, we, we are. are. <laughs> I'm going to be there. Wilson Elementary <laughs> is bringing their entire fourth grade for a field trip that day really? at the Capitol. Nice, fantastic. Yes. And awesome. so we are very excited to come, come out <laughs> to visit the Capitol to show the kids what it means gonna, to go and visit and just the so Capitol. you guys know, there um, there's no special requirement if you want to have someone wandering around through the Capitol playing music or performing. Just throwing that out there. 
Our teachers might freak out at this point if we tried to have the kids for Just saying. <laughs> two days notice it, at the Capitol. It might, it might work really well for the legislators if you had an army of kids banging. Does anybody know why a nine-year-old flute player is wandering around? That's right. <laughs> oh. Well, and, and I guess I hope to, you know, uh, Amy and I are really lucky. The legislators in our district are incredible advocates for education. Both Kay Floyd and Jason Dennington, yes. our state senator and yep. state representative, are great friends of Wilson. Um, you know, Jason's brought his kids to our carnival before. Kay meets us up at the Capitol every year. She's been at our PTA meetings. Um, and so we kind of feel like we're there with advocating with our legislators yeah. and want to encourage others who might hear this to call their legislators that we need more people on board with and I love that this is actually coming up right after um, Let's Fix This occurred. Um, I was talking with a friend the other night, and he is wanting to get more involved with, uh, he refers to it as the pitchforks are coming out. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, Let's Fix This isn't the only, it wasn't a one-off thing. So we had Let's Fix This. There's, um, you know, arts at the Capitol. And we need to keep doing these types of events. And not just be, once a month. Like there yeah, needs to be something. Every there needs week, to be something drawing day. crowds to the Capitol every like a week. Somebody needs not to be saying day. something all the time, like constantly making our voices heard. Because I can tell you from the being, I went there for Let's Fix This. I was there in the morning when it started. And I think right out of the gate, there were probably 30 or 40 of us crammed in this conference room. And Andy had done a really good job of reaching out to Dunnington and Cindy Munson and Stephanie Bias and a couple others to come in and just give some words and kind of, give you some little bit of like, don't go in the offices and yell at them, you know, be right. their people. Look, we're all just people here. All this. But what was interesting to me was that small number of people, 30, 40 people, there ended up being over 70 or 80 throughout the day, att attracted attention of some other legislators in the building. I, I forget. I think it was a uh, LePac. I don't know what, where, which district he's from, or I think he's Senator LePac, like just kind of, walked in and peeked his head and was like, what, what's going on in here? Like it was, it was strange to him to see an un sort of announced group of people at the Capitol. Like, and for such a small number to have that react, like it was very significant to me. I was like, it only takes 30 people yeah. well, to start getting their attention is, is almost empty all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, the first time I had gone up there was to do a tour for okay for the arts day. Cause I'm, I'm serving on the committee for it. And I was like, it was an empty building. Like I was walking around. There's art galleries. I didn't know were in there. There was very interesting things. And it was like, you can just wander around in this building. And if people know you can go up there and make an appointment, call your legislators, make an appointment, like be, be nice and be personable, but go and talk to them and tell them what's important to you. I'm absolutely loving the whole movement of educators running for office oh, yeah. in the coming year. Yeah, I've done an awesome job of getting so many of them, to, to register on the ballots. They have That's done awesome. an absolutely incredible job. And I can't wait to see. I know some of the, the people who are running, um, Dr. Don Wentroth is uh, running for over, somewhere over in Bethany District. And mm -hmm. he was a former principal that I worked with back in the day. And I can't think of wow. a better person um, to come up and represent um, the children of Oklahoma than, than him. I'm just so excited to yeah. see some people stepping up that really have education at the forefront of their agendas. Yeah. yeah well, and actually one of my uh, history teachers from Shawnee High School, uh, Ron Sharp, is a senator now. So it's not uncommon to get, you know, educators into these positions and the fact that there's more coming. Um, are you guys going to be telling people about Wilson Arts, Inc. when you're up there on Wednesday, like spreading the word and letting other politicians know what you guys are doing? 
We will see. We're also going to be corralling um, the entire fourth grade. So we are going to have our hands a little bit full. We've got a lot of parents coming along too. And we're Good. primarily, we're going to tour the Capitol. I think representative Dunnington is going to try to let the kids get on the house floor during the lunch break and see things there. Good deal. So the primary goal is to get the kids into the Capitol yes. and teach them from an early age that this is your building. And also to yeah. let them know that Perfect. they can be a page when they get a little bit older yeah. Yeah. and go you Absolutely. Know, spend a week working on the floor. But I I'm hoping that. that was awesome. <laughs> we've got some free time, which, you know, in right. teacher speak in a field trip at the state capitol is like, you know, panic time. We have some free time. Right. So we'll, we're definitely going to make the rounds of the rotunda in the area where I think things will be set up for art stay and get to check in and kind of say hi. And, and we're going to be set up too. in we're going to uh, the last I heard we're going to be in the Hall of Governors, okay, which is sort of down. But it's it's it should be a place of good traffic, okay. but also sort of, kind of yeah. isolated and. So that we right, can have so, some. Um, the, the fundraiser is on May 13th. May 13th. Okay. And how does the fundraiser work? What is it? What's going on? It's evolved like most things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this something anybody is... in the city can participate in? And... Absolutely. They could. But we've pretty much sold out our entire fundraiser with sponsors. Oh, good um, for you. Wow. Yes. Which we... was not the, I mean, we're thrilled. But that wasn't the intention. We, um, like we said, we had this planned and a date set and a venue, which we're going to be at um, the Water's Edge Winery and Cultivar is going to be catering. Okay. Oh, it. very nice. Um, yeah, so it's going to be very a, cool. Not but a bad partnership. Yeah, we, you know, we've had we had one a couple of years ago and at Dunlop Cotting, and it was great. They're great. Not a huge, you know, I mean, a decent turnout, but we have had. A ton of support, and we still are getting calls from people wanting to sponsor it oh, and whatever. Fantastic. So it's turned into um, with that each sponsorship gets two tickets, and with that we've reached our limit. Wow! The great thing about Wilson, though, is you know for for people who are still looking to be a part of raising funds and doing things, you know, with having all these different groups involved. You know, our PTA is really stepping up and doing a lot, too. We have a family movie night coming up on the 20th. Mm -hmm. We're going to do some raffle stuff through that as well. And so there are lots of different ways for our community. And yard signs. Involved. Yard, oh, signs. yard signs, yeah. We're loving yeah. the yard signs. Have you had uh, parents or teachers from other schools reach out to you guys and, and ask you for advice on, on maybe replicating some of the things you guys are doing? Yes, I had a, I've had a couple calls from people um, very recently. Looking for something like Wilson Arts Inc., you know, mm -hmm. we're it's a really unique situation that we're in that we already have this foundation whose entire purpose is to support our school that's not PTA, that has the ability to raise funds to act flexibly and to the benefit of our school. You know, Wilson Arts Inc. over the over the years, besides the building project, has done so many different things, help si soundproof our choir room and purchase stringed instruments and donate to the school. They've been involved with restoring a WPA era mural that was in the school oh, cool. and getting it ready to come back and be hung. Um, we partnered with Sonic to put a statue in front of our school. There are all kinds of different things that we've done. And so having this foundation that's there and ready to act is something that all a lot of schools are looking at now and thinking, man, we wish we had that. And so I've had some calls kind of asking specifically about Wilson Arts Inc. How did it get started? Yeah. You know, how do how do we make something like this happen for our school too? It's crazy too, because the way you're describing it, it it's I think it's fantastic that it came up, but it sounds really similar to the way like even the university operates. Like we have a separate foundation that's out there raising money and advocating and reaching out to sponsors to support the 
you know, because obviously the universities are affected by state funding as well. Uh, these state funded universities are, but so it's interesting to me to see that that same something similar to that model is is translating down and working. And I think it probably works even better that it's so uh, isolated to the neighborhood and that specific community because obviously something like UCO is much broader scope in terms of where their students are coming from and who's involved. But the other thing it does is it creates some consistency with our vision. You know, if you have, you look at a PTA, I mean, there, we do have some families that have been at Wilson for, you know, with several kids, 15 years, but for the most part, you know, it's a six or eight year kind of deal. So Wilson Arts Inc has, you know, our vision doesn't change. It's consistent and it stays kind of over that. And then the PTA can kind of adjust to what the families want to do. And you'll see that more in our after school activities and stuff. But as far as having the arts integration and this philosophy of teaching our kids and being a community school, that vision remains the same. And it has for, you know, now 20 years. We have lots of great board members at Wilson Arts Inc. that have been involved in the Wilson community for a lot longer than Amy and I. I mean, we're basically the new kids on the block for our for our group. Um, and, and that means a lot to have these people whose kids have gone on. Some of them have grandkids and they're still showing up for a Wilson arts board meeting and they still want to know what's happening at the school. And they're still fighting for all of our kids to have a great opportunity to be educated by our neighborhood public school. And I think as far as advice I would give for other schools wanting to do something like this is it's, it's a relationship. I mean, there's give and take on both sides and it's taken a really long time to get where we are. Um, but I think it's so worth it. I think it's something that, that yeah. you know, when they decided to set up Wilson Arts Inc., saw that this was going to be an investment that would pay off, you know, huge. And right now we're seeing that pay off huge. Um, and even just from the support, I mean, the money is amazing as well. But yeah. the support that there are people in our neighborhood who are not giving up on our kids and not giving up on um, the idea of it being a public school that anyone in our district can go to. Um, that when the, the shelter calls and they have a kid that they need to send to us, they are like, bring them on. And just having that culture has meant a lot to me as a parent. And yeah. also pointing out, too, that you don't have to have a child in public school or even a child in Wilson school necessarily. Um, I don't have kids, but I have a niece that goes to Wilson. And even if I didn't have a niece that goes <laughs> to Wilson, it's still in my best interest to support my public schools, to have an involvement and, and to make it better, you know, to have something that the kids in my community that are growing up in will benefit all of us later on down the road. Absolutely. And just like being able to go to the Capitol, going to a school board meeting Mm -hmm. and, you know, there've been issues that have come up that we've really rallied around and this, this school board listens and are responsive. And it's not just a group of people that are in, you know, some closed off room. Um, they will listen and they yeah, Well, want they want to. that input. I mean, Absolutely. that's like what Stephen was saying with the Senator LePac that came in. Like, they're looking to hear your voice. I mean, right. that's, their, their ears are open. They're and ready that, to hear you. That was something that was kind of brought up in some of the conversations about all this stuff going on going to the Capitol is, you know, a lot of the things and decisions that are being made by our legislators over the last however many years, some people see as having oh, they're very skewed towards a certain interest or a certain industry or a certain even company or something like that. And it was pointed out, it's like, yeah, because those interests, those companies, whatever, are sending lobbyists to talk to your reps to tell them what they want. And so the reps are, the the legislators in general, they're 
if that's the only input they're getting and, and they're torn on a decision, they're going to go with what they're being. I mean, well, I've heard more people say they want this than not. So that's, that's the direction I tend to go. And I think it's just, I mean, if you, if every week you walked into your legislator's office and was like, number one priority, education, arts, uh, it might have an impact for them because the next time this bill gets proposed, that's like, oh, it's going to have this result of cutting. Oh, no, wait, I've had all those people walk in my door and say, no, arts and education are the most important things. That's what. No, I can't do this. Yeah. Could you imagine if the representatives and senators saw regular citizens on a weekly basis like sauce going in there every single week. I'll do you one better. I wish we could make it a requirement for every legislator to tutor a child for 30 minutes a week That's in genius. a public school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to talk about making a real yeah, connection right. to what the needs of the school yeah. are. You know, it's really easy to see kids as a problem or to see, you know, these issues as impersonal. But when you do what Amy and I do and you sit down with a student every week and you get to know them and you know their family situation, mm-hmm. and you know their background and you see how they struggle, but you also see their successes and you see what it means to take funding away from children who right. are in a position where they need everything that they can get, every tool that they need to succeed. And I think if our legislators spent some time in the classroom, spent some time one-on-one with a student who was struggling in school, they would think twice about what they've done to our it children. Huge impact. Well, that was something else um, I had heard pointed out was some of these districts where they're going to four-day school weeks instead of five, and some of the kids who depend on those five days a week to get five lunches a week and now they're getting four so it's not even a matter of like their education being cut or they're you know not being able to go to arts class they're not eating amy and i pack backpacks at wilson for the food for kids program every friday to send home with kids from our school and so that's an issue that really hits home with us big time is that we see the faces of every one of those kids that takes home that backpack and you know if they're not at school if they go to four days a week you're right. losing those meals yep. and those kids are hungry. Well, and the other impact of that, I mean, if they're already in that situation financially with their family, that now additional day that their parents have to figure out, well, what am I going to do from nine to three or eight to three when usually I could go to work and my kid was in school. Now I have to deal with that either through taking off work or, you know, finding somebody to watch the kid or paying a babysitter or, or the kids get left unattended. Or the yep. kids get left at home the unattended. Real, that's the real reality of the situation. The kids get left unattended. And so I think, you know, boy, I've thought that many times before. If the people that made some of those laws actually had a face that they saw in their head when they made those decisions of Mm -hmm. someone, some child that they had a relationship with. You know, this is very personal for Amy and I, and not just for our children that go to Wilson, but for the children that we interact with at Wilson who aren't as privileged as our children who really need what our school can provide. And so that's one of the things I'm proudest of as a Wilson parent is that we truly have a very diverse, but very inclusive community. We work very hard. That is very true about Wilson. Very hard to make sure all of our kids have the opportunity to play sports. You know, we scholarship kids for everything. If we can, you know, if we're doing it, there's usually a checkbox that says I can donate a scholarship Mm -hmm. or there's a checkbox that says I need a scholarship and that's all that's involved to make sure that all kids get to be a part of what happens at our school. And so, you know, you mentioned charters earlier. I have one child that's at a charter school as a middle schooler, but I feel very strongly that we need neighborhood schools like Wilson that take all kids who live in an area that a kid can move in on October 3rd. And it doesn't mean that they can't apply until the next year to get into that school. You know, 
I think it's good to have choices in our district, and I take advantage of that choice as a parent with my middle schooler. But I think our ultimate goal has to be a quality seat mm-hmm. in a neighborhood school that doesn't require you to have a parent who knows how to show up on a certain date to fill out paperwork, <laughs> that knows you know right. where and when that happens. Because we have lots of kids whose parents, right. you know, if if they turned Wilson into a charter school, that that half of our kids wouldn't show back up and be enrolled because their parents wouldn't know that on April 1st is the day that you have to be there to get in for the next year. Yeah. And that, that feels like a trend in a lot of different things. I mean, you could apply a thing. It's a, it's a barrier to entry. It's, it's what you've seen some people try or some States try to do with voting even is like create these weird little barriers to entry under this guise of, Oh, well it's just to make sure nothing's being, it's like, well, wait a minute. This is, it's going back to the Capitol. Like, it's harder to go and register to vote than it is to walk in the Capitol to talk to a legislator. Like that, that's a dichotomy that should not exist. If I can just walk in a door and go talk to this person, I should be able to just walk in the door to vote for that person. Or I should be able to just, if it's a charter school, even or whatever, like it it should be a clear pathway. There should be, it shouldn't be confusing at any level. And that's just right. It's not, and it's not an easy process to transfer a kid to a different school. No, I'm sure you've been it's, through that. It's a, it's, it's a pretty intense information gathering and deadline following process, and then waiting, and then not even knowing next year if if you get to transfer back in. But that also wouldn't be an issue if every school could rise to the same level. If there, I mean, if that equity was amongst all the grade schools, you wouldn't have to worry about the transferring and, and whether or not you're going to get that quality seat if you move to a different district. The hard thing, as you know, as a parent is I believe in this idea that we can get there, that we can get all of our schools up to this level, but you also, and no parent wants their child to be a social experiment. You know, I'm not willing to put my kids in a place that I don't feel like is going to be a decent option for them just to prove a point. You know, and so that's where, as I was saying earlier, sometimes having some of the choice schools being able to transfer to a different school keeps some voices in, invested and some advocates in our school district that otherwise might disappear. Well, so it's a hard, it's a hard situation. It's very easy to say, oh, we shouldn't have charter schools or, oh, every school should be, you know, quality. But, mm-hmm. you know, while we're dealing with reality, it's pretty hard to take a firm stand on some of these issues and not wind up a hypocrite because you have right. to do what's best for your own children as well. I mean, it sounds like, and this is gonna, I'm just gonna go off on a tangent kind of, but it sounds like the ideal situation would be that there's such good funding in place for all of the schools that they can then choose to become an arts integration school because the people in their community are more concerned or we're out in this rural town where everybody in the town is a farmer. So we're going to go and we're going to have an, a partnership with an OSU or an agriculture or, or bring in people that are going to focus on urban agriculture because that's more relevant to their, it's not saying they shouldn't have arts program by any no. means. I, I think that every, I think like you're saying, I think arts integration actually should just be a standard model for any school anyway, because arts do so much. Like you're saying, they impact every little thing. I mean, you could incorporate art into how you plow your field or how you, you know, weird spiral patterns can result in better irrigation or who knows, whatever it could be. But the fact that there's so, we're so strapped in certain areas that you like, you have to fight to make these solutions. And Wilson lucked out that it had someone back in the day with that 
foresight to say, oh, we need an outside entity mm -hmm. to really be able to drive home these things locally and bring these resources in that aren't restricted by, well, I can't go and I can't as the principal go and ask Sonic to come sponsor this thing because that's a conflict of interest or some other thing or it violates this equity idea because the other public schools can't go do it. The hard so, thing, too, is you've seen some schools go through a process where they try to adopt a new um, way of doing things and they start to see slow success. But like back in the No Child Left Behind days, you know, if you were a failing school for more than a certain number of years, they would just come in, rip the principal out and start all over again with new leadership. Like well, Edgemere? If, what happened with Edgemere? Yeah, you, and you can't get traction. Yeah. You well, know, that's so the, that's you, the idea. The model or the the execution of the plan didn't work, so we need to replace the people that were executing the mm -hmm. plan, as opposed to well, maybe the plan maybe doesn't the plan work. Okay. Or maybe the plan is working, but progress is slow and steady. Right. And we're yeah. dealing with communities and kids in a lot of places that are way behind, yeah. and it's going to take some time. Yeah. Oh, and then by the way, you know how many times have we changed the test? How many times have we changed standards? Well, that's a whole other How many times? Right I mean, you could just go on <laughs> yeah. and on in education, right? I mean, what measures are we actually using? Amy and I have talked about this before. You know, Wilson's report card grade. You know, we were an A two years ago and then a B. And I think we were a C plus this year. And Amy and I both know well, Wilson's not a C not plus a C school. Plus. <laughs> that makes no sense. It makes no sense. So, <laughs> But if you are an outside person and you're evaluating our school hey. and you look at that grade, I mean... We're not um, a C plus school. No. no, not by any means. So, your event's basically already sold out. I know, so yeah. we can't. I would. I would love to say, hey, everybody, go buy a ticket. Plan well, another one. We would <laughs> is, love to have your donation if you're interested. Say, there, in that. That's kind of where I was going. Yes, is there still Wilson, just an open yes, donation? So Wilson plan? Arts, Wilson Arts Inc. Dot dot org. org is up and going, um, awesome. and that's kind of a new thing. We hadn't had a website before, oh, great. <laughs> but um, so now we have a website. We're also planning. I mean, this is although this fundraiser has been is going off swimmingly. This problem is not solved. Um, no. Our hope is that I mean, we will lose some teachers next year. Um, our hope is that across the district, we get some of the funding things worked out. And but you know Wilson Arts Inc is going to continue to advocate for Wilson, but also for all of right and the involvement of our schools is always so, going to be needed and required. It's not yeah. like one event is going to be on the uh, so, yeah. I was say beyond the website. Do do you have other Facebook We're social on media Facebook, type? Okay, um, yeah, and Twitter. Fair enough. So. So uh, follow us. Be our friend. Be our Good. friend. And we really are open to talking to other schools because, I mean, I think I would love to see, I don't ever want Wilson to be the number one school. I would love to see a bunch of really spectacular schools. Well, you know, schools. what I would feel like the goal in the future would be, okay, for instance, Aaron sends his daughter to Wilson, transfers her over there because that's that's a better school to send her to. Well, right now it kind of feels like, well, there's not a lot of great schools to choose from, so I want to send her to the good school. We need to get it to where I'm having a hard time deciding what good school I want to send them to. Like, here's three yeah. awesome choices yeah. instead of one choice that everybody's trying to get their kid into. You know, right. we need we need that that choice, that option. Yeah. So, are Absolutely. there any other events or things that you guys want to? I mean, anything? I mean, besides just generally advocating people to go get involved and. No? 
I mean, oh. we've, we've, I feel like we've done that. I'm just giving you the <laughs> no, opportunity. No, I know. You can go so. have a Raising Cane's Chicken on Tuesday night on oh, 23rd right. Street. We're yeah. having a PTA dinner night, fundraising night oh, there yeah. for Wilson. Oh, yeah. So if you want to. That's this coming Tuesday. That's this coming so Tuesday. Tomorrow. May yes. 3rd. May 3rd. Yes. yes. Tomorrow, because it's in the future. Yes. I, and then I mentioned our movie night where we're going to be showing the movie Inside Out on May 20th. Oh, nice. um, anyone can come to that. And anyone can come to that at Wilson. And you can Wilson. see our school. Yeah. yeah nice. So um, we'll do a $5 suggested donation to get in and we'll sell some concessions and just have a lot Great. of fun that night. So those are a couple things PTA-wise coming up that we'd love to invite well, everyone to. Well, then I'm going to do my job as a committee member and remind you all that okay for the arts day is may 4th at the capitol the kickoff is at 9 a.m it is going to be a crazy day it's of artists fun. musicians and just tons of people at the capitol we will be set up um, in the hall of governors doing some live interviews with legislators or anybody who wants to come and voice um, i'm sure we will be, be speaking about education while we're there oh I, yeah I, like i said arts and education to me should basically be one right thing so i mean I can bring the fourth graders over to take bring a picture up. with you. Yes, yes. yes. The Department of Tourism. I yeah. mean, yes. really? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So, yeah, well, thank you guys very much yeah, for thank coming. You for on. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Great. Thank you for having us. Thank yes, you for helping thanks. us get the word out. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's, Kurt's awesome. awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show. Facebook.com slash Wafty Show. We'll see you next week. I'll be free. Get the wine now, baby